Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Back on the Boat podcast. I'm Tu David Fu, Top Chef alumnus, filmmaker, author from Oakland. And co-hosting with me is my homie, Kai Trung, cultural tastemaker, everything social media. And today, we're going to be talking about authentic versus inauthentic. Kai, say what's up to everybody. What's going on, everybody? Glad to be part of this podcast. I think it's going to be a treat to discuss all things within our culture and outside our culture. And happy to co-host with you, my man. Definitely, man. And it's great that this is our first episode. This has always been nagging at me for the longest time. Mm-hmm. When people talk about culture, they yeah. use it to weaponize it, where it's like, you're not part of the culture, or you're not authentic or inauthentic, and it goes mm. into cultural appropriation. Yeah, I mean, let me ask you this question. What do you think defines culture? What is being cultured to you? Let's specifically talk about the Vietnamese culture because you showcase your Vietnamese roots a lot with your content on social, with your food, your creations. So I would love to hear you. Like, what do you think defines culture? That's a great question, my brother. I, as an Oakland representative, if you will, when I think of culture, I think it's a story or it's an idea that represents a group of people. And I know that's a broad statement, but culture exists. And a lot of things, culture exists in religions, culture exists Mm -hmm. in food, culture exists in arts, culture exists in heritage. I mean, there's like car enthusiast culture, right? Right. Like, I I think to be brash about it, straight to the point, culture is just an idea that represents a group of people, whether it's big or small, period, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, I feel you on that one. I guess... What do you think about Vietnamese culture? There's so many dynamic variables to Vietnamese culture, right? Those that are from the mainland and those that are abroad, right, due to the war. So what do you think Vietnamese culture is to you and generally speaking? Man, like, that's a big, big cup of water. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's a big <laughs> glass of water, man. Hey, as long as we sip on it, we'll get there. Just got to sip on it. That's all. I think when you talk about Vietnamese culture, it's a representation of a lot of different people. And Mm -hmm. for those who don't know, and some who do know, Mm -hmm. culture, when you talk about culture in terms of countries and like heritages, that's synonymous with saying with history. So Mm -hmm. let's say Vietnamese culture slash history, which is tied into tradition and religion Mm -hmm. and everything else. It's a reflection of what all those people have been through. and why they end up in the places where they end up. So, for example, like you and I, we're Bay Area, Mm -hmm. you know, first-gen Vietnamese-Americans, you know, Asian kids that grew up in predominantly black and brown neighborhoods. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Correct. So when you talk about our culture, specifically to our identities, I think when people ask that, they're asking us, what is your culture? They're basically saying, I want to know why your story is the way it is. Mm-hmm. Right. How did you end up here in Oakland? Like, right. what is your culture? Right. I think it stems beyond that, too. So I think culture, because it's such a broad thing, it really depends on the context that you're asking it in, whether it's in food, whether it's personally, whether you're addressing a class of like Vietnamese people. Right certain sections of history like are you talking about the vietnam war when there's like hundreds of not thousands of wars in vietnam Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know right so i think we're trying to narrow but we keep on broadening it right but is it a culture or is it cultures that are Mm. Vietnamese? that's a good one 
you know, when you look at it, there's Vietnamese culture that stems from Vietnam, right? And then there's Vietnamese culture that has been developed over the last four or five decades abroad. So for me, like you mentioned, growing up in the Bay Area, in a diverse community, I grew up with multiple cultures, but every time I considered Vietnamese culture, I looked at traditions as being part of the culture, right? So you talk about mm. Mid-Autumn Festival, you think about Lunar New Year, right? That You think about things that come along with Vietnamese weddings, right? Tea ceremonies, mm. attire, food. So for me, my connection to the Vietnamese culture has always been through just what was traditional to Vietnamese people abroad and in the homeland. But as time went on, I started blending my culture with the environment I grew up in. So being Vietnamese American, you know, I mix Vietnamese tradition with my own traditions, meaning I would represent the Vietnamese community and culture through language and through traditions. But then I also felt. But we, but we didn't belong to that. You know what I mean? Right. Like we didn't. I sympathize with you, bro, yeah, yeah. because what we're yearning for is what our parents yearn for. But, you right. know, what they are yearning for is Vietnam, yet we're living in Oakland. Yeah. It was just interesting to be part of two cultures, I would say, American culture and Vietnamese culture, and then trying to either stay rooted in, you know, your family's background or developing this hybrid where you are, you know, both, like I said, Vietnamese and American. So it was always a unique situation to be in. And just going back to what culture means to me, I think culture is all perspective, meaning that if you take elements from your ethnic background and practice it or don't practice it. Let's say that too. It doesn't make you not Vietnamese anymore. If that makes sense. Mm. Right. Mm. Your roots Mm. will always be your roots. Now, whether you practice the traditions within that culture, it depends on you, but it doesn't make you any less of a Vietnamese person or doesn't matter if you're Chinese, Filipino, African-American. It doesn't make you less of whatever ethnic group you belong to. That makes sense. I love that you said that because yeah. you're saying that there's no such thing as not having culture, mm-hmm. right? Right. Everyone has some sort of culture. It's just culture are the pages of your own book that you write, Correct. right? Mm-hmm. And everyone's pages may not be the same. I yeah. love that you said that because I've talked about this for years on how you know, our parents have their own specific culture. We sympathize and we yearn for that culture, yet we don't fit with that culture because, mm-hmm. you know, being of diaspora away from Vietnam, I don't know what living in Vietnam is like at all until I visited, right? So yeah, what can you sympathize with, right, is you sympathize with the urban centers that you are mm-hmm. integrated into, in our case, Oakland. Right. And then in addition to that, you know, I think you and I, our generation, mm-hmm. it's not just unique to Vietnamese, but it's correct to the Indian kids or South Asian kids, to the Filipino mm-hmm. kids, to, to the Mexican kids, to the Latin yep. kids, to all the other immigrant communities, right? Right? Even like the Russian kids, right? Like Russian immigrant kids, right? Our generation, we sympathize with hip hop because hip hop gave us a culture beyond our own, 
right? right. Hip hop right. taught us how to dress, right? Mm-hmm. Hip hop taught us how to talk. Hip hop mm-hmm. taught us how to perceive the world, perceive politics. You know, like to this day, I'm quoting Tupac, you know, like um, right. all the great things that he did in our great yeah. city. Like, you know, he didn't live too far from where he was police brutalized by cops from my own yeah. neighborhood, you know? So it's stuff like that where I love that you said that it's not about having culture or not having culture. Everyone has culture. Culture is just a mechanism. Mm-hmm. And let's use a book for an example. Culture is that book and you write your pages to that book. Right? And you read and, what you want to read too, right? You read what you want to read. Yes, I guess, you know, if I were to ask you, when it comes to traditions that we just mentioned, right, within the Vietnamese culture or any culture in general, what makes something authentic and inauthentic to you? Because oh, I'll give you an example. There goes, there, there yeah. goes those words. Those well, are fine words. <laughs> here's the thing, because I know you've got some backlash recently when you posted your... Albeit a hundred percent Vietnamese bowl of pho, but you made a shaken beef, aka baluplak pho, <laughs> which is non-traditional and some could call it inauthentic because that dish never existed. However, it was a hundred percent Vietnamese through and through, right? Yeah. So when you created that dish, what was the process in your mind? Did you feel that it was authentic to Vietnamese cuisine? And what do you say to those that feel like it's inauthentic or just not traditional at all? So first of all, when people say cuisines are authentic or inauthentic, that's so binary. They're so singular. They think that Mm -hmm. it's a check mark, right? Like things Mm -hmm. have to be certain ways. Mind you that the food that we eat is a reflection of our history. Mm -hmm. And we're using Vietnam as reference. When you eat a bun me, you're eating the history of Vietnam. You're eating the French occupation, right? Through <laughs> the bread and the pate and yeah. the cold cuts, mm-hmm. right? And the pickles. And we do it our own Vietnamese way. That's what you're eating. And mind you, that bun me didn't exist. There's one time where that bun me was a new invention, mm-hmm. right? And people all throughout history, beyond our country, beyond Vietnam, beyond the United States, you know, to be honest with you, they could give a if it was authentic or not. It's just that it tastes really good and it was cost efficient. It was accessible for people to buy. That's why foods stick around, right? Right. That's why things get invented. And in that sphere, for me, concerning all the innovation that happens in Vietnamese street food, right? It's always evolving. The stuff that they're eating in Vietnam now, mm-hmm. we're not eating in Vietnam because as Vietnamese Americans in America, we're tied to this whole immigrant ideology and story that we miss Vietnam and Vietnam's the best, right? Mm-hmm. Which is in some aspects opinion, but true. Mm-hmm. I think it's just total BS because now it's just you're projecting your PTSD onto me and how much you miss Vietnam and how Vietnam is better. Right. Right. And how you've been displaced. And then you want to eat something that reminds you of Vietnam. And if the food that I'm making doesn't remind you of Vietnam, don't impose that shit on me. Like that's your shit. In the true spirit of Vietnam, where every Vietnamese place claims to be authentic in the United States, it's probably not. Because if you go back to Vietnam, they've evolved from that. Like, mm-hmm. I've been to Vietnam three times this year. And every time I go back, I see something new. They got this new shit called bungoi. It's basically translated to, uh-huh. yeah, like a pillow. A pillow. Uh, so and you know what it is? Yeah, what is it? You know what it is? Huh. It's samosas. 
It's samosas. Mm. Yes, yeah, deep fried samosas, bro. That's all it is. Or deep fried dumplings. And that's yeah. not traditional by any no. means, right? No, not, not at all. And like manjang nu, which is grilled rice paper, right? That's never been around before 10 years ago. That's a brand new thing. Yeah. Right? And then manjang, goi manjang, they cut up the rice paper dry and they dress it in like a dressing mm-hmm. of all these other things. That's not traditional. It got me fucked up. Like, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> but why when you have it there, it's authentic. But when I'm cooking in that same spirit, it's not. So for reference, the shaking beef pho, I did it in spirit of my mother's favorite dish. And she likes mm-hmm. pho Thailand, which uh, is basically Thailand, which is basically not Thailand, but Thailand, which uh-huh. is basically thin cut beef that's mm-hmm. cooked in a wok with beef fat, right? Because she doesn't like to eat raw meat. And then it gets placed into the pho bowl, right? right? And that's a northern style bowl of pho. Opposed to using thin sliced beef, I was like, why don't you just do shaking beef and top it off? Mm-hmm. And the technique itself is already very Vietnamese. I'm just swapping it out for another ingredient. Oh, yeah. you know, exactly. There's anything American yeah. about it. It's just a filet mignon. Yeah, it, it's so funny because, you know, Lin from Galviet, right? He always gets flack. You know, shout out to him. He is, uh, in the most respectful way, a madman when it comes to his concoctions, right? But lobster pho, monster beef pho, right. Godzilla pho. But you know what? He still keeps it within the Vietnamese culture, right? Just because you find different ways to approach cuisine, which in general, cuisine has always been meant to evolve, right? Mm-hmm. It was never meant to just stay stagnant or idle. If that were the case, in America, we would only be eating bologna sandwiches now and thinking that that's the shit. Right, <laughs> so we we're not hating. We're not hating on bologna not, lovers. I love bologna, hating. but yeah, yeah, I grew up on it too. Bologna and ketchup with some Wonder Bread. But look, cuisine's always been meant to evolve, right? So why does that stop at Vietnamese cuisine, right? It shouldn't, and it won't. So when I hear people giving you shit about it, or giving Lynn from Galbit shit about it, I always chuckle because those people who probably look at themselves as purists in some form, right, within the Vietnamese culture, probably aren't pure at all. Like, they're not really authentic in every aspect. Can I play devil's advocate on your mm-hmm. remark there? So yeah. I think the other side of it is that, um, and I think this is a positive, mm-hmm. is that, and this is the power that chefs have, right, mm-hmm. or people in food spaces, especially Vietnamese restaurants, right? Sure. Is that people clamor to them for their culture, right? They want these... Right food communities, food identities, or these chefs to speak for them. I think Lynn would say this too, speak on his behalf. Right. But, you know, I think reading in between the lines of their criticisms, they want us to represent them, you know? So that also would encourage me and him to do what we usually do, but maybe try to do something different sometimes where, you know, they feel inclusive on it. And that's what food is all about. Food was never meant to divide. It was meant to welcome people to the table. You know what I mean? I could give a shit for people's critique. <laughs> so it's a balance, right? <laughs> and process. But I think the beautiful thing is that for the most part, you have been welcomed with open arms with the way you approach cuisine, you know, from people Thank in you. the culture, Vietnamese community, and outside of Vietnamese community. And that's really all that matters at the end of the day. It's not about the people that don't fuck with you. There's the people that do fuck with you. I did this dad joke meme 
last week. It said, I always say, if you fuck with me, I fuck with you. Mm-hmm. If not, the relationship is already Genjul. And <laughs> I saw that, yeah. <laughs> and the thing is, it's funny. People were responding, like, oh, but I love Genjul. And I was like, look, Genjul is great for your stomach, but not for relationships. Because, you know, the whole pun and wordplay there is that, you know, it's like, fuck, it's like, you fuck with me, I fuck with you, right? But mm-hmm. if not, then it's very sour. Like, Genjul is sour, right? So it's kind of yeah, like... Yeah. You know, I wasn't like trying to go too deep, but it's just a corny joke. But people resonate with it. They understood it. the whole sentiment behind it. And I think that's the way I look at what you do and what I do is that at the end of the day, if people rock with us, man, great. If you're not, then on to the next one, bro. Like no one person's opinion about me or you will stop us on our tracks. I love it. So let's reference this. And this is a burning question for me sure. um, about this IG post about this yeah, Vietnamese yeah. woman Shaming people yes. for not knowing their Vietnamese language. Not gonna lie, it's really sad seeing a lot of Vietnamese Americans not be able to speak Vietnamese anymore. Like, that's a little depressing, no? And I'm tired of y'all sugarcoating it. All right? I always talk about, no, I heal tin biak, I heal it. How about you hop tin biak? How about you sit down and try to learn it again? And try to remember things? Are you not embarrassed that you're a Vietnamese person and you will go to a Vietnamese restaurant, but you can't even order your food in Vietnamese? Does that not embarrass you a little bit? So pick up the slack and learn it a little bit more. All right. That's a big one, man. Right? Like food's one thing, right? To cancel people out for food is one thing, but to cancel okay. people out for their languages, that's level one going to level five, right? For sure. This might be a very unpopular opinion, but at the same time, a lot of people agree with her too in the comments too. So what I want to get across is that when I first saw it, in my opinion, just, you know, for the record, my opinion, I don't think she's shaming, right? I think... It's her way of motivating. Look, people have different approaches to things, and I'm not going to say that her approach is the best approach. But I did read between the lines, and that's sometimes what you have to do with content on social media is try so, to read between the lines. So yeah. it was a figurative yeah. question more so than a shaming, right? Like, yeah, it's like, it's like you if know, you which, are this yeah. way, you should have these things, right? Like, it's that, right? Yeah. And well, she starts off with saying, like, you know, isn't it sad that like you're a Viet? And like when you go to like, and she used that as an example, when you go to a Vietnamese restaurant, you can't even order it in your own language, right? And she feels like, and she's applying it to, I think, this current generation that they don't really know how to speak Vietnamese, I think, as well as we do as first gen, right? Mm. And even first gens probably might not speak Vietnamese that well like they used to either. So it's kind of like, you know, it was like a broad stroke where it's like, if you're just a Vietnamese person and you've lost the ability to speak fluently, she felt that that's sad, right? Because that's what she says. She's like, isn't that kind of sad? But then she did use the word embarrassed. And that's where I feel like people took it as shaming. And I can see both sides of the coin. I don't, like I said, I don't think that it's the best approach to motivate people. But when I watched it, I felt like she was trying to motivate people to be like, you know what? If you resonate with this video, whether you feel attacked or not, but you recognize that, hey, I have lost the ability to speak Vietnamese well or fluently. Maybe if I wanted to keep that part of my culture and tradition alive, then I will learn how to speak Vietnamese. Or you should mm. learn how to speak Vietnamese, right? That's how I took it. Now, people, man, the comments were going off. I mean, they started going after her. And a lot of people agreed and a lot of people disagreed with how she approached it. No matter how you felt, it should have sparked something inside you to make you come to a realization. And that realization could be two things. You speak it well now and you're proud of it because 
it is not an easy language to know and learn, but you're proud that you can actually still speak it or understand it or whatever it is, read or write, you know, whatever level that is, it's great. Mm. Then the other angle is that you do feel a little bit bad that you can't speak anymore. You can maybe understand it, but you don't speak it at all. So mm. what should that do to you? Should that make you angry at the person who made the video or should that make you motivated to then go leverage all the resources that are accessible to you to actually learn the language, right? And that's kind of like where I was trying to move the conversation and not make it feel that it's shaming and attacking anybody. But, you know, like I said, people took to both sides of that conversation. I think you walk away with a better understanding of perspective. Now that I'm older and I've traveled a lot more, and I'm not being ageist in any sense, just speaking to my own personal experience, I try not to make generalized statements. Um, and I think she was making generalized statements from the people that she knew. And I think it grew bigger than what she ever anticipated it to be. You know, like sure. it's probably within her city or, or a group of friends or her family, even, mm-hmm. right? That's how she was feeling at the right. time. I don't think she had any intention from what I saw for it to go viral and to speak on the behalf of all Vietnamese people in diaspora within Vietnam and outside Vietnam. So just for context there. And to add to that as well, too, I've always been an outlier from generalized statements. Mind you, for those who've met me and those who haven't met me, I'm six foot two and I'm 240. And Mm -hmm. I'm a Vietnamese dude, right? And I'm brown. (laughs) You know, and I don't look Vietnamese. So like the standards that people impose on me because of the way I look, for reference to like my family are Islanders. So we're like the Cambodian Islanders <laughs> that happen to speak right, Vietnamese, right. if you will, because it used to be Cambodian yeah. Island. Sure. Um, but, you know, sometimes there's a lot of people who don't fit in that context. And when you make generalized statements like that, you should be careful because the world is always so much more complex and bigger than what you're able to see personally yourself. And third for me is I sympathize with people who aren't able to speak Vietnamese mainly because sometimes they don't have the resources to, right? Like not everybody lives in Little Saigon, San Jose or Westminster or these predominantly Mm -hmm. Vietnamese communities where Mm -hmm. there's a lot of access to, you know, Vietnamese people for you to learn, let alone speak. Yet there are a lot of Vietnamese people who don't live in those communities and they just learn Vietnamese through their own Vietnamese families, right? And they maybe speak it like, two months out of the year, but they could speak it fluently <laughs> all throughout without going to school. And in contrast, a person like myself, I went to a Vietnamese Catholic school for three years to learn how to speak Vietnamese at the comprehension level of what me be like an eighth grader. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the thing. It's like going back to culture, right? Everyone has a sense of a culture and no one can cancel you out. You have to know who you are because you can write the pages of that. I feel that you can still be very Vietnamese and be part of the Vietnamese culture without speaking the Vietnamese language. And it goes true for other things. Like you could not be a Vietnamese heritage, but still be part of the Vietnamese culture. There's people that get married into Vietnamese families that speak Vietnamese better than I do. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like and make better Vietnamese <laughs> Bro, than like, I do. Right. So Bro, you've seen those videos I've been posting of like people that are, you know, African, Caucasian, you know, et cetera that have embraced our culture, learn the language and speak, sing a thousand times better than me. Yeah. yeah and I can attest for both of us, right? They've done more yeah. work than we have for the culture, yeah. right? And, and here's the thing though, to go back to that post, my take was just more like, Hey, if you feel like you would love to learn more Vietnamese, you can do it. Like I support you in your path and your mission to learn more Vietnamese. 
But like, if you're going to just tell me that it's too hard and acted like there's no resources, then I feel like that's just an easy out. Does that make sense? It's like Absolutely. one thing to like try to learn the language and then give it a good go and just say, you know what, man, the difference between North dialects and Southern dialects and the accent marks, I tried for like a month. It was really hard. You know what? I'm good. To me, that's cool. Even if you don't do that, I'm not saying that you're not Vietnamese. It doesn't really matter. You know, this doesn't take away your Vietnamese background at all. Mm-hmm. It's just more like understanding like the language is always going to be a part of our culture. It is up to you to learn it. But no one ever said, at least I don't think that's what she meant. No one ever said you're less Vietnamese than like the next person just because mm-hmm. they speak it better than you. That is not the point at all. You know, kind of going back to what I talked about earlier in terms of what defines culture. It's like this culture is about what you take from it. But can I reference other cultures that use the same tactics? Like hip hop culture, if you don't speak the language, you're not about hip hop, Mm. right? Mm. Gang Mm -hmm. culture, Mm -hmm. you don't talk about, you don't talk the language, like, you know, the B's and C's, you know, crab Mm -hmm. culture. Mm -hmm. Like if you don't speak the language, you're not part of the culture. Even like with lawyers, doctors, and scientists, if you don't know your right. terms, you can't be a part of the culture. So right. to me, I'm just realizing that's sort mm-hmm. of like a hypocritical or a catch-22, not just in our conversation, but like just in right. society, right? That it's welcoming, but then it's not. Maybe it's innate in like our human DNA to create packs and create groups, you know, and people look like us. <laughs> Or speak like Correct. us, we feel safe, maybe, right? Right. Yeah. There's like these prerequisites, right? Or requirements mm. that allow you to say you're part of that culture. I think when it comes to ethnic cultures, it's a gray area because, like you mentioned earlier, not many people have the environment to excel. And let's be specific here about language, right? Because they can practice other parts of our culture. The people that don't speak Vietnamese well, or that fluently doesn't mean that they're not celebrating that that to like you know what i mean yeah and like doing other elements of our culture eating the foods and all that kind of stuff and paying homage and respect to their elders the way anyone would within our culture Vietnamese culture mm-hmm. so does that mean like because they only checked off four out of five check boxes they're not Vietnamese? no obviously not of course not right but when it comes to like things like hip hop, for example, you're right. I think there's these gatekeepers that allow people to be part of it or not. But at the end of the day, realistically, there is no gatekeeper to hip hop. That's just one person's opinion about someone else saying you're not part of that culture. But there's really no higher society or panel that says, welcome to the club. Or no, you're not in, but you're in, right? Because like mm. I said, even with hip hop culture, like you mentioned earlier that you still quote Tupac to this day, you pick and choose what parts of hip hop culture that you want to embrace and incorporate into your life. Right. Mm -hmm. Cause even all of hip hop, I don't resonate with all hip hop mumble rap today's hip hop music. Absolutely not. I can only go back to like the nineties and early two thousands that I can really fuck with that kind of hip hop music. Right. Mm -hmm. What if I don't fuck with today's hip hop music? Am I not part of the hip hop culture anymore? No. Mm It has nothing to do with it, right? So that's why I feel like culture is like you pick and choose what you want to be a part of. And just because you've only selected a few, it doesn't make you any less part of that culture. So 
So refining it further, culture is the theme of a book, right? right and right. you can use those themes in the book that you're writing for yourself, right? And there's no yeah, you can add any chapter, right? right? There's no yeah. there's no and ifs or buts, right? Correct. Okay. Yeah, life is a book. If you want to go that route, right? Life is a book. You add any part of life that you want to your chapters, right, or to your sections or paragraphs, whatever you want. It doesn't make you any less of a person just because you don't have all of it in your book or right? less part of the culture because you don't have all or of less it part of the correct yeah i think that post created some dialogue healthy unhealthy and when i say unhealthy it's just people that just kind of personally attacked her you know like just pointing other things out where it's like okay you're missing the point but then it was healthy where people were like actually understanding the context of her video which was the important part so i feel that it wasn't meant to be divisive. It sparked a conversation, which I was hoping to see, and it did. Language skills. I'm here to support you to, like, you know, push you to learn more. I so. think reactions like that are also healthy as well, too, because it can help us gauge our culture, our communities that we're in, on how they're mm-hmm. feeling about stuff. And I think for you right. and I, as tastemakers or people who are trying to build and contribute to the foundation of cultural spaces like this. You know, I think we, given our platforms, we have the power to educate, right? We can create, post our content to talk about certain things that people didn't know before. I think those things alone where it's like, you know, if people see it and they change their perspective right away without any words, right? And I hope to do the same thing with food is like, try it and like, you will have a different perspective on what these things really are. Yeah, 100%. Do you think the culture is any less part of the culture just because it's not within its origin? Well, let me repeat this and elaborate further. Culture cannot be binary. Culture has never been binary. It can't be a single right. thing. It can't have a single origin. I agree. Culture, right. no matter what, where it starts from, and you need to allow it to evolve. Hmm. For comparison, I would compare music to culture. Hip-hop started with the origins of Caribbean and African beats, Right. And mm-hmm. people put their own sort of spin on it and they let it evolve and it turns into to this totally different thing. And it continues to evolve whether we like it or not. And it's going to evolve because it's going to be reflective of what's true in people's hearts and what they feel about music. The same way culture is going to evolve and it's a reflection of how people feel about that culture. In, in your reference and quoting you earlier when you were saying, you know, there's gatekeepers in hip hop when there are really no gatekeepers. The same thing with culture, right? Those people hating on that young lady making on a statement and other people supporting it. I think in essence, people are trying to gatekeep an identity or culture that they knew from evolving. However, it just won't stop because culture is just like music, just like art. It's a reflection of what people want from that very thing culture and or music i agree it just because you have your own spin on vietnamese cuisine outside of vietnam it makes it any less vietnamese right or if i showcase something that's from a vietnamese abroad like a Viet U, it doesn't make them any less vietnamese just because it's not from vietnam right our culture has expanded and grown outside of our country, you know, due to the war, right? And we'll get into that on another pod. But the beauty of our culture and the way it spread was that 
we have allowed it to grow and evolve in a unique way because of how we spread into different parts of the world, right? And anything that has happened since 1975 has only added to the growth of our culture. Mm -hmm. It hasn't taken away from our culture at all. It is not any less authentic because it didn't come from the motherland. If anything, it makes it better, right? That's why it's around. That's why people <laughs> are doing it, facts. right? Like, yeah, it's just I always facts. tell people, I hate to say this, but like American beef pho is so much better than Vietnamese beef pho. You know why? We have better beef. You know, our beef is fattier, right? And then especially now there's a taste with American beef pho mm -hmm. that right. I can't get in Vietnam because I feel like cows being a Western right. animal from Europe, they just thrive better in right. colder climates. Right. Right. And, you know, to me, that's just my strong opinion, but I'm leaning towards facts. Right. And I think the reverse is true too. Fog is just way better in Vietnam than it is in the United States, mainly because they have the proper types mm. of chickens that you need for braising and stewing for fog. Like that, we call it gaddy bow or, you know, as they call it, heritage chicken whole foods. You know, like it's always interesting just to hear people and how their perspectives on culture exist in their mind and how they kind of look at it from a society standpoint and within their own ethnic group. Mm -hmm. But I think mm -hmm. at the end of the day, we are the culture regardless, right? And when you're born into it, you're just part of it, right? And what you choose mm -hmm. to take from it is going to be up to you, you know, from generation to generation is up to us, right? Mm -hmm. With culture, so you know, you and I come from different households. I mean, I have a daughter. I know you got, you don't have any kids yet, but what do you think the role is of like parents and just the elders when it comes down to passing culture down to future generations? Like, what is there a responsibility? A hundred percent, like take every single element of culture from whatever culture you're a part of. Like, for example, the Vietnamese culture, and pass it down to the next generation. That's a great question, man. I really think that if we're going to pass anything down to other generations, food, culture, tradition, religion, but I think most importantly, the things that pass forward is history. Mm -hmm. So that way they can learn, you know, the injustices and all the crappy stuff sure. that happened to Vietnamese people. So it doesn't happen again. Right. You know, uh, I think that's the most important thing that's on my mind. And I think that's why I kind of float at the intersection of like food and academics and culture and kind of everything in between. Is that, you know, I come from a very logical stance. You know, I try to do this for a lot of different communities, but let's just talk about the Vietnamese community. I want you to feel like you belong. I want um, five-year-old uh, Kevin Wing <laughs> mm -hmm. right, to feel like he belongs based on the way he looks, mm -hmm. the food he eats, you know, the way he talks and who his parents are. I want him to feel like he belongs. That he feels like he's valued, that he's important. To me, that's the most important thing that culture has provided me. And same thing for, you know, little Jessica Wing, his sister, you know, mm -hmm. who's maybe six or seven years old, is that I want her to feel like she belongs and that she feels empowered in understanding how she fits in the world and the fact that she does belong in the world. Right. Right. I think those are the two really important things that culture has given me it's given me identity yeah. right and i think that's the most cruelest things that we could do to our kids or the younger generation is that we don't give them identity we don't give them purpose 
I feel like when people don't have that, they don't belong to anything. They're not fighting for anything. Mm -hmm. For me, growing up, you know, with crime-affiliated friends, they were people who didn't know their family history, didn't know their fathers, didn't know their mm -hmm. mothers. They didn't have a purpose or understand time and place why they existed. When you don't give people that, they become really destructive. And I feel that providing culture for people, you know, as a Oakland representative is a way to reduce crime right? It builds compassion. You know, even though you're learning about yourself, it helps you connect with other cultures and histories beyond, let's just say for reference, being Vietnamese. Like I grew up in a Jewish community mm -hmm. in my older years, like in my late teens, which helped me greatly in my career. But, you know, learning about my own history helped me sympathize with another community because I learned that they went through a similar suffering that, you know, my parents did. Right. Right. And that's like just a whole nother form of education. Right. Yeah. I think that's the beautiful thing about seeing and learning about other cultures and finding those commonalities between us and other cultures. Right. Is that sometimes we're not that different, even though some of the experiences may have been different. I think the common themes are usually there. Right. I agree with you hundred percent. I think it's very important in helping people understand that they do belong to something at the end of the day, right? They are not just a floating spirit with nothing to lean on. And I think leaning on culture is beautiful because having something that has these established traditions, right? In food, attire, and celebrations, it gives people purpose to not just choose to practice what they like, but it just gives people that sense of belonging, like you mentioned. And I think in our life, that's what we strive for is that belonging, right? It's not about acceptance. It's about belonging. That's two different things, right? Because if you want to be accepted, you're like seeking the approval of others, right? You're looking for someone to say you're a part of this. But if you just have that innate feeling of just belonging to something, regardless of who tells you that you're part of it or not, or tries to gauge those levels of like 100% to like 10, 20%, uh, you know, whether you're part of the culture or not, I think belonging to something is super important for the next generation for sure. So to kind of wrap this up, you know, and look at it from the next generation perspective, how important is it for the young people today? Like let's call them Gen Z, Gen A. How important is it for them to seek out culture for themselves? I think seeking out culture, like I said before, it gives you purpose. And I feel that when people are learning about their own culture, they're more attuned to taking care of their own communities. Let's just say, for example, there's a lot of first, second, third, fourth generation Vietnamese American kids who grow up to be successful. They go back to the little Saigon of Americas and they buy all the real estate. You know, it's not always true, but for the most part, from what I've seen, they buy out these community spaces so the spaces can continue to be Vietnamese. And oftentimes, not all the time, but oftentimes, they're charging other Vietnamese Americans under market rates for their rents to keep that community space alive. You know, And that's the power of learning about your own culture. right? If you learn about culture, you're more likely to invest in it. right? Yeah. I think it was maybe due to her lack of understanding that that's probably not the best way to encourage, you know, the mass public. Maybe it worked for her or maybe her friends or her community or family, whatever it mm -hmm. is. 
but you know it's just the words didn't come off as inspiring for a good chunk of people who were attacking her in the comments which is unfortunate yeah right? for sure yeah i think like you said for the younger generation gen z gen a i think seeking out culture will help them with the foundation that they can build on top of but it doesn't mean that they only have to depend on that foundation right it's just a foundation for their own character and their own daily lives that they can always look back on and be like you know what i'm proud to be vietnamese i love our traditions i love our food i love the language whether i speak it well or not i love all these things and it's who i am but it doesn't mean it's only who i am right can I add as well, too? It's like the Vietnamese language is really complicated. There's so many dialects and accents. <laughs> There's way, the Central Valley accent, yeah. and way, which is totally different from the Northern Bucky accent and from the Nam accent. So it's like, and because these dialects have been there for so long, it's evolved to something different. It's like someone from California trying to speak to somebody in Jamaica, <laughs> right? It's like just you're using different dialects, different words, mm-hmm. right? I often find that it usually takes an academic, you know, someone who studied the languages of Vietnam to be able to communicate, right? City urban dwellers in Saigon, they're able to communicate back and forth fairly well. It's because they live with that. They know the different dialects, you know, mm-hmm. in an urban place like Ho Chi Minh City slash Saigon. Yeah, I, you know, look, the number three also means dad in Vietnamese, if you said it just casually, right? That's right. <laughs> bah, That's bah, right. It's like... You know, you try to explain it to someone and they'll be like, what? <laughs> so, so thigh can be ear or your hand, right? Yeah. Like, it depends on what region you're yeah. in or how it's being used, it's, right? It's low thigh. Low thigh. Exactly. It's, um, it's a trip. I never really took Vietnamese classes or lessons. I just learned everything from home, right? And I'm not, mm. I'm not like 100% fluent. I mean, I speak fluently, but I don't have a deep vocabulary. But mm. I think... For sure, anyone that didn't grow up in a household that spoke Vietnamese the majority of time and now have to try to learn the language, it is not an easy language to learn. But when it comes back to culture and this podcast is that you can try to learn. It's very possible because I see people trying to learn Mandarin, Korean, and Japanese, right? So just like any other language you find interest in, you know, it's totally doable. Now, at the end of the day, if you don't want to do that, that's totally up to you, it, but it doesn't. Totally fine as But well, it doesn't too. mean you're less Vietnamese than the next person, or less Vietnamese than the person that is in Vietnam. You know, your culture will always be with you, regardless. It will always be there for you, and be ready when you want to accept or want to embrace the elements that it presents itself. So, mm. so, I think we're just a little bit closer. Yeah. <laughs> to understanding this. But I think we both stand after this conversation for measures of culture, authentic and inauthentic. That's just gatekeeper bullshit. Yeah. Right. Those are just words that people like to weaponize, right? And use to either. Or marketize. Or marketize. Like, yeah. This is the best authentic bowl <laughs> of fun I've ever had. Right. You know, for food bloggers trying to. Correct. Trying to sell something? Yes. So culture is not canceling. Culture is welcoming. And that's for all cultures. That's right. Right. So once again, it's the theme of your book. And you can write the pages to that book. That's right. 
All right, everybody. This was Back on the Boat podcast. I'm Chef Two David Fu, and my homie Kai Chung was with me. This is our first episode. Stay tuned for more. Peace out.